Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Colin, and we're going to be discussing some of the takeaways from NFL preseason week one. Then we're going to discuss the Duke Johnson trade, what it means for like a possible Melvin Gordon trade. We're going to kind of go through that small but I think impactful trade, and it tells us a lot about that Melvin Gordon situation. Then we're going to talk about the five biggest risks in fantasy football, what their risk factor is, I guess you could say, out of 10 in the earliest we'd take them in a fantasy draft, and then we're going to be discussing the Boston Red Sox. So first, let's start with some NFL preseason week one takeaways, so let's get to that. Okay, so obviously we're going to get to some of the other headlines, like some of the rookie quarterback performances from Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray. But first I want to start with the Patriots. Now I'm not going to go ahead and break down the whole game because I think the preseason is just more about individual performances. I don't care if the team wins or loses. I just want to see some of the guys that I showed up to see, like Nikhil Harry, even guys like Jacoby Myers, Jared Stidham, I want to see them play well. Chase Winovich, Jawan Williams, guys like that. What was your biggest takeaway from the game? Well, I thought Jacoby Myers had a really good game, and obviously you can't judge how he's going to do this NFL season off of this one. But it's a good little like, taste this, test, I yeah. guess you'd say. A sample, I guess. Yeah, it's just if he keeps playing like this throughout the preseason, I mean, he'll probably be pretty good in the NFL. He's he's undrafted. Uh, I think he's six feet or no six foot two, two hundred pounds, and he's done great in training camp. Goes out there, six catches, sixty nine yards, two touchdowns. That's a nice little stat line, I think. And uh, I think that was definitely one of the bigger takeaways that he's played well and he's been getting first team reps, and that it looks like he could actually be a part of this receiving core in this team. Uh, well, it's not. I don't think it'd be very hard to get onto it. I mean. Of course, Damoon Patterson. I mean, yeah. Damoon didn't play a lot yesterday. The sun was out. But um, <laughs> anyway, one of my bigger takeaways, I want to do something. This isn't the biggest takeaway, I wouldn't say, but one of the bigger ones, Damian Harris did not get a single run, running attempt yesterday. Most of the uh, attempts went to Nick Brissett, who I don't know much about. He had 22 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. His touchdown was receiving uh, he went out kind of to the flat and got one uh, right near the goal line. And he punched it in for the touchdown. But, like, Gunnar Olszewski, who's taking more of the special teams, uh, snaps, got a carry for seven yards. Andrew Beck got a carry for three yards. Jared Stidham uh, had a, showed off a little bit of his scrambling ability for four carries, 16 yards. But mostly Nick Brissett was getting a ton of carries. Brandon Bolden also got 12 carries for 41 yards. And my problem was, Nick, if you got 22 carries and only rushed for 66 yards, that's not that great. That's three yards. Yeah, three yards per carry. Brandon Bolden, 12 carries for 41 yards is only 3.4. But Brandon Bolden, here's my thing, he's more of a special teams guy. I know he lit up the Patriots with the Dolphins. Well, I think that was around week 13 or so. And... But he's just a special teams guy, really. But Damian Harris not taking any snaps was a bit surprising to me. I really haven't heard much news on him being banged up or anything. So I am uh, a bit skeptical what's going on there. He's more of a value pick. I remember when we picked him in the third round, it said, you're getting good value, but I'm not sure you really need the position because you already have James White, Sony, Michelle, 
Rex Burkhead even, but maybe they wanted to get one more guy, another young guy into that core because Michelle tends to get banged up. I'm sure you want to kind of save James White a little bit. Burkhead's constantly injured. So, you know, you have a three, really a, a good trio there at running back, but two of those guys are very injury prone. So maybe you want to have the, Damian Harris as a fourth for a backup. But I was surprised he gave so many touches to guys like Nick Brossette and Brandon Bolden. I mean, you know what Bolden is. He's a special teams guy that'll take a few carries in week 17 or the final minutes of a game that you're up by 20, 30 points. But other than that, you kind of know he's just a special teams guy. So I was just, you know, surprised. At least Damian Harris didn't get a few carries. Uh, at least to start out, you know, maybe he was a little banged up or tired, but at least a few carries. I was just surprised on that. Um, another takeaway has to be Nikhil Harry. I mean, the guy had two catches for 36 yards, both 18-yard catches, and he showed good potential in this game. I think those two catches were good catches. and But overall, then he leaves the game another injury. So that's now two injuries in the past week. I mean, that's my problem with these big receivers like Nikhil Harry. These guys are going to be injury prone. And he's just adjusting to the physicality of the league. None of the, Both these injuries were minor injuries, but one of these times I feel like he's going to pop for a major injury. And that's kind of scary because right now it seems like we're relying on him to be our number two receiver, more of our big time outside the numbers receiver that I've been talking about. It feels like we're relying on Nikhil Harry to be that guy and he's constantly hurt. He seems like more more of a work in progress than anything, kind of like Jawan Williams, who uh, has also kind of sh- he kind of struggled in yesterday's game as well. Uh, but you want to get to another? Do you have any more takeaways, like big takeaways that you think? Uh, I, I've got a few more, but I feel like Chase Winovich did yes, pretty good. He did. Uh, I, I like to see that out of our second round pick, third or third? Yep. Was it? Oh third yeah, yeah, pick. right. We traded away the second round. Mm-hmm. At which they ended up picking uh, DK Metcalf, who I actually really liked. I thought he would. Yeah, but he wouldn't have been a good fit here. Let me tell you why. Um, he just he's just has one route and it's yeah, run but... straight down the field. That's why I wanted Buffalo to pick him because Josh Allen is a cannon for an arm, but no one to throw to downfield. And him and DK Metcalf would have been such a good duo. But anyway, he went to. Seattle, which I guess is an all right fit, I would have loved to see him go to Buffalo with Josh Allen just as an NFL fan. But again, whatever. I Personally, I like DK Metcalf. I like the risk. I, I don't love him like some other people, but I wouldn't have really I – don't, I don't really like him in a Patriots jersey, to be honest with you. I like the Chase Winovich pick. I thought that was kind of another value pick in a way. Not really like Damian Harris, but I think Winovich was super underrated. I think it's a very safe prospect. I know he spent four years at Michigan, so he's experienced, but he's already a little bit on the older side, which hurt his stock a little bit. But I love Chase Winovich. I would have spent a second-round pick on him, early second-rounder easily. I don't know about a first-round pick just because I don't know how high his upside is, but I know this is like a very safe third-round pick where you know you're at least getting a reliable linebacker. He reminds me of a Patriots linebacker all day. He had two tackles, one uh, he had two tackles and another one assisted. He had 1.5 sacks, so one-and-a-half sacks, one solo, one assist, and I just, I really liked him in the pass rushing unit. Now, my problem was the Lions O-line was horrible, and you had nine sacks in that game, so it's not like Chase Winovich was the only one that could get to the pass rusher. I think the pass rush itself, you pointed out Chase Winovich with the pass rush as a whole unit was incredible yesterday. Derek Rivers had two sacks. Therese Hall, I've never heard of him. He got in there for a sack. Chase Winovich obviously had a sack, uh, 1.5 sacks. Brian, Brian, 
by Ron Cowart, who you picked, I believe, in the sixth round. Um, out of what's, what's, I think it was Baltimore. I'm not really too sure where he was from. Why do, why does, I don't think it's Baltimore. What, what college did he go to? Um, geez, I don't know what, a fifth round pick. I said sixth round pick too. Um, I mean, he was not, he's not a sixth round pick, but he does have potential. Cause I remember coming out of high school, he was like a very good recruit. Um, and he went to Maryland, Maryland, Baltimore, same exact thing, but, by Ron Coward, I didn't mind that pick. wasn't a huge fan of it, but I think for a fifth round pick, he definitely shows some potential. And he got to the quarterback yesterday as well. Uh, who were some of the other guys to get some sacks here? Juwan Bentley got a sack. Jamie Collins got a sack. Shaquille Calhoun, I have no clue who that is. He got a sack. Danny Shelton got a sack. He's been on the team. Uh, he remember we traded uh, for him when he was in Cleveland, and then. John Simon had the interception, so that w- that's not really part of pass rushing, but he's part of that unit. The unit did really good yesterday. I felt like overall the secondary wasn't incredible. I don't think it blew me out of the water. Like Jawan Williams was not that great. He was good tackling, four tackles, one assisted, but in coverage, he struggled. I thought the secondary was pretty average yesterday. I just feel like it was it wasn't anything spectacular. I really feel like the pass rush just took over, really didn't give them a chance to really prove themselves in any way. They had a few nice plays, but uh, another guy, Maurice Harris, he had three grabs for 27 yards. He had an incredible, uh, not an incredible, but a very good one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. I say there was holding there on that play too, but then later in the game, he dropped a pass downfield. That, that would have completed his name. Maurice Harris caught that ball, even got tackled on the five-yard line. That would have completed his night right there. That's where he would have just been able to say, oh, I did a great job. And now all of a sudden he's kind of sitting there saying, Maurice Harris kind of left me there like, all right, three catches, 27 yards. That catch at the end uh, in the his touchdown catch was great, but it left me wanting a little more. He is 6'3", 26 years old. He played with Washington. So I'm not really sure what he's going to be able to do. Last year he had 28 catches for 304 yards and no touchdown, so he hasn't really done much. The year before, four catches for 62 yards and a touchdown, so he hasn't really done too much. And um, honestly, he didn't wow me in that game yesterday outside of that one catch because that drop, really, if he gets that catch right there, I'd say that kind of tops off a very good day for Maurice Harris, but he he dropped it. Then there's Brian Hoyer. I want to get to the, the quarterbacks here for the Patriots. Um, what did you think about Brian Hoyer's performance? I mean, I thought he did pretty good. I mean, I don't think there was really anybody on the team that did really bad in that game. I, I think Brian Hoyer did pretty good. Uh, what did he The have? thing I liked about Brian Hoyer, excuse me here, he just looked like a pro out there, and he is. I mean, that's what he is, and I don't expect – I think Brian Hoyer is a good uh, backup quarterback. No, I think with Brian Hoyer is – I'd say he played better than Jared Stidham, uh, just my opinion. You throw 12 for 14, 147 yards, two touchdowns. He just looked like a pro out there. He was just making the right reads under center. Um he was just very efficient with the football. 12 for 14 is a great throwing rate. And I expected Brian Hoyer to kind of bully that Lions secondary and defense as a unit because, well, this is a pro. Brian Hoyer is someone, you know, Brian Hoyer is no, like, high-level talent quarterback, but he's a veteran. 
He's played under a ton of different quarterbacks and systems. So, you know, he's he's easily, you know, he has a lot of, I guess you could say, different views on things. He's picked up a lot of tips and tricks. Uh, he's kind of been a journeyman quarterback in a way. So he's picked up a lot of tips and tricks. He's even played under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So that's, that's saying a lot in itself. So he just looked like a pro out there just reading the defenses with those kind of second-line wide receivers, I guess you could say, second-unit bench-type wideouts. But, again, he just bullied that secondary. He easily read everything that was given to him. They yanked him out after 14 passes, said, yep, you know what, this is what we expected. Brian Hoyer does not need a ton of preseason stops. The one that I really want to look at is Jared Stidham. I love the Stidham pick just because I feel like the kid has great potential. The year before – this seat lap this past season, the year before, he looked like he could have ended up as a first round pick before he went to Auburn. He was at Baylor University. I remember he looked actually very, very good, like a again, trajectory first round pick. Goes to Auburn, didn't really play that well there, wasn't a great fit. But he comes to New England, he's done well in ca- uh, training camp so far. 14 for 24, 179 yards and a touchdown isn't bad. I thought he started to slow down as the the game progressed, um, which it wasn't really his fault. I think he kind of looked up at the scoreboard and started to, uh, I don't know, take it less seriously, but he started to slow down a bit. But he looked really hot out of the gate, especially. Um, And Colin, I have to ask you this. I know there's three weeks left of preseason, but right now you have to choose a backup quarterback. The two are sitting there. Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, man. I know it's probably not really going to matter with Tom Brady under center, but you've got to name one of them the backup, one of them the third stringer. Who are you naming the backup? Brian Hoyer. Okay, yep. I have to agree with that one. I think Stidham's looked great, but I got to give it to Brian Hoyer. He He's a pro. He's been in the league uh, a lot longer. And I know Stidham's looked good, but let's keep developing Jared Stidham, okay? I, wanna, I want this to work out. I think you've got something with Stidham. I know he's a fourth-round pick, but... I mean, and he's 23 years old, so he was he has the experience in college. But I want him to soak things all in. Don't expect to play Stidham. You know, you'll play your preseason snaps. You might get in there a little week 17, maybe you know those garbage times when you're blowing out the Jets by 30 points or the Dolphins in New England, something like that. You might get some snaps. You, you know, don't accept no snaps. I mean, week 17 again is going to be a week, but. Just play out the preseason here. Hope for the backup job. But if you don't get the backup job, don't take it to heart because I think the Patriots just want you to soak things in. And if he plays well and Brian Hoyer still beats him out, so far Hoyer's played very good in the preseason too. I mean, I thought Hoyer played a little better than Stidham yesterday, but I I do think there's starting to become a debate. Who deserves the backup job? Now, the thing that kind of takes that away of like why it's so important is because Brady seems to you know be able to uh, stay healthy for the 16 game season. Knock on wood, but it just kind of seems like the backup's the guy who goes out there for the garbage minutes when you're up 30, or maybe that week 17 game that doesn't matter because you've already locked up the first seed or the, maybe even the second. I don't know either one. I mean, it just seems like the backup job with Tom Brady under center is just pretty meaningless at this point, but I think it would mean something for confidence, especially for Jared Stidham. So I think the plus for giving Stidham the starting uh, backup job over Hoyer would have to be confidence because I feel like with Hoyer, 
you know, it may hurt his confidence a little, but he's more of a pro. He's more mature than Jared Sidham at this point. And I feel like at this point with Hoyer, you know, you don't, you're not working with Hoyer. You're not like trying to, you know, you're obviously trying to get him to get better, but you know, he's not a project. Hoyer is someone who is already, you know, in his thirties, you know, who knows when he's going to retire. He's 33 years old. So at this point, you know, he could retire before Tom Brady, Jared Stidham's the one who could be your next quarterback if you really if this really works out. I'm not saying he will be, but Stidham could be something if, if things really do work out. I'd let him soak things in. Don't give him too much high pressure uh, this early in his career. So, any other takeaways, Cone? I think that's all. Yeah, I, I don't really think that. <laughs> I think that's all. I don't really think there's much much others to talk about. We'll get, we'll get you talking a little more. Um, Coming up, but I, I just, I'm sorry. I just really want to ramble on. So 31 to 3, we beat the Lions in Detroit. Doesn't really matter, yeah. but it was a good game for most guys on the New England Patriots. So call in on the Anchor Mobile app. Anything you want to talk about, even with this Patriots tra- uh, preseason game, anything is on the board. What are your biggest takeaways? Uh, so next we are going to get to the Duke Johnson trade. So let's get to that. Okay, so a few days ago, the news was broke that Duke Johnson was being traded to the Houston Texans for a fourth-round pick in the 2020 draft that escalates to a third-round pick if Duke Johnson is active for 10 games with the Texans. Let me mind you, he's been in the NFL for four years, and he's played in every single game so far. But then again, he hasn't really started over seven games ever in his career. He usually starts one or two or zero. Uh, in his first season, he started seventeen of his sixteen, seven of his sixteen games. Second season, it went down to he only started once out of his sixteen games. The next season, he started no games out of his sixteen games. Last season, he started twice in his sixteen games. So, if I had a look at this trade, it's an absolute steal for the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Now, the reason being is one, Duke Johnson did not really like it in Cleveland. Now, the fans like Duke Johnson. He was always a pretty good name, kind of a household name, even though he's kind of low, uh, somewhat of a bust, I'd say. I wouldn't, no, I take that back. Not a bust. Uh, just because he's only 25 years old. So I, I'd say we, we got a pretty good idea of what he is. But he's a third round pick, 77th overall in the 2015 draft. But he hasn't produced any great numbers. Um, but I like the idea for the Texans just because look at their depth chart. They need help at running back. Lamar Miller at this point is an under-average running back. Their backup's Dante Foreman, who's not a horrible backup, but he's constantly hurt. And then the Uh, third stringers... Didn't they just drop him? Dante Foreman? They did? And I'm pretty sure he went to the Colts, if I'm not wrong. Let me check. Uh, Uh, But where'd you hear that from? Oh, yeah, he went to the Colts. Jeez, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Oh my god, I didn't even know that. So, that makes sense in the sense that they probably want to free up that spot for, um, what's his name? Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's an upgrade over Deonta Foreman, who, Foreman is a little bigger, more of a power back. He's six foot, he's more of a power back. Uh, he's 23 years old. Duke Johnson is 5'9". He's more of a receiving back, 25 years old. I'll take Duke Duke Johnson over Deonta Foreman. He's constantly hurt. Uh, so that's an upgrade for Houston. But my problem is you gave up a fourth-round pick, possibly a third, if Duke Johnson plays over 10 games, which I bet he will because he's not going to be really your starter. 
He's mostly that backup that comes in for pass plays. Well, are you saying Lamar Miller? Lamar Miller is going to be their starter over Duke Johnson. If Duke Johnson's your starting running back, you've got a you got an issue there. Well, mm, depends. I don't. I well, I think Duke Johnson might. You think Duke Johnson's going to start over Lamar Miller? Not the first couple games, but I think toward the second half. Let of me the read. Let me read Lamar Miller's stats for you. Last season okay. with Cleveland, played sixteen games, started in two of them. 40 rushing attempts for 201 yards, which is respectable. Five yards an attempt. Just had over five yards an attempt, which is great. But, like, his first season, he took 104 rushes, averaged 3.6 yards a a carry. He only had 40 rushes. I don't know if that's enough data. And he scored no touchdowns on those rushes. He's not really a rushing back. Out of the backfield, he got 62 targets, caught 47 balls, had 429 yards, 9.1 9.1 yards per reception, three touchdowns. So that means overall he got 87 touches, 7.2 yards a touch, and a total of 630 scrimmage yards, which is a career low for Duke Johnson. So it seems like he's just getting worse and worse by the year, but the reason it makes sense for Cleveland is because, one, Duke Johnson wasn't that happy there. Two, you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And three... You got a fourth rounder, potentially a third rounder for Duke Johnson. No, Duke Johnson is an underrated receiving pack. But a third round pick for a guy that you really don't necessarily need anymore. And he's not really that happy there. Any day. Oh my God, any day I'll do that deal. Oh my God. Now, Lamar Miller, we'll take a look at Lamar Miller's stats just for you. And again, things can change. Miller has been banged up in the past. So Duke Johnson, I do think, will start some games just because I think Lamar Miller's bound to get hurt at some point. But Lamar Miller had 210 attempts last season. Nine, oh, let me read his... All right. 210 attempts, 973 yards, 4.6 yards a carry, five touchdowns, 25 receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown out of the backfield. Uh, in Receiving, I mean, with one fumble. So... I mean, look at those stats. That's almost a thousand yards. Four point six yards to carry. Like, I'm not a big Lamar Miller fan. Neither. But I do think now that you look at those stats, maybe I was underrating him a little because look at think about this. Two hundred and ten attempts. Two hundred and ten. Nine hundred and seventy-three yards. Four point six yards a carry. Okay, so just he doesn't really punch in a ton of touchdowns. Six on the year, five rushing, one receiving, but 210 attempts, 4.6 yards a carry, just tie of 1,000 yards. And he was, we have to remember, he was constantly well, how- banged up, and he had one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Now, am I saying Lamar Miller's a leader or anything? No, no. Wait, how how old is Lamar Miller now? Lamar Miller's 28, so right in the middle of oh, his prime. I thought he was like 35 or no, something. No, he's right in the middle All of right, his prime. All right, yeah, prime. I think Lamar Miller will Lamar start Miller definitely, but here's the thing with Lamar Miller injuries. So Duke Johnson, you need that backup. So now mm-hmm. Deonta Foreman, not only is Duke Johnson an upgrade when they're both healthy, in my opinion, Deonta Foreman's constantly hurt. So you need a guy like Duke Johnson who's been durable. I think he's uh, very complimentary, a complimentary piece, excuse me, to Lamar Miller. My only problem is he just can't be your starting running I back. just don't think that Lamar Miller will have as great of a season as – he had, like, 
these past couple seasons. I think he's going to start being on the decline. I just don't think he'll do that great any not any Who? like Lamar Miller. I feel like he'll have a slight decrease, not like okay. not like a huge drop, But even but so, I don't decrease. think Duke Johnson yeah, will take on, the starting uh, yeah. shot from Lamar now Miller. Now that I look at the stats, no. I think I was underrating him a little but, bit. And I underestimated his age. I thought he was like 35. The two reasons I wanted to talk about this trade, because you guys are probably saying, well, I hear you're not talking about the Antonio Brown news. Well, when we started this podcast, it wasn't really out yet. That will be next episode. But the reason, two reasons I want to talk about this Duke Johnson trade was one, because no one else was talking about it. It was an absolute steal for Cleveland. But in the flip side, it does somewhat make sense, although the Texans gave up too much. And two, what does this mean for Melvin Gordon? Remember, just a few episodes ago, we talked about where's Melvin Gordon going to go? Yes. And we both said, probably Houston. Maybe he'll go to Tampa. Maybe he'll go to Green Bay. But the front runner's got to be Houston. They just trade for Duke Johnson. So what are you going to tell me? Now, they just gave up a fourth, possibly a third-round pick for Duke Johnson. Now they're going to give up a second-round pick for Melvin Gordon? I don't see it. I think Duke Johnson wanted an improved role. So now he's going to come, oh, he's just sitting next behind Kareem Hunt and... Nick Chubb, I was kind of sick of that. So now I'm going to go sit behind Melvin Gordon and Lamar Miller. No, I don't think that's what Houston's trying to do. So maybe Houston was in talks with Melvin Gordon, but the Chargers weren't really that interested in giving him up, although they don't seem interested to give him a contract either. I think something's going on there. or The compensation was too high, or the Chargers are just being uh, arrogant, whatever you want to say, um, just being stubborn. I don't know. I really don't know, but I think this Duke Johnson trade hints at a fact that we thought Houston would be the front runner to get him. Now they're trading for Duke Johnson. Why? Because and they they gave up too much for Duke Johnson. So it's not like you know, oh, we're in the talks for Melvin Gordon, but you know, this a deal came up, Duke Johnson for a sixth round pick, and we were like, why not? You know, Duke Johnson for a seventh round pick. They just gave up a fourth, possibly a third round pick, and that's no you know first round pick, but I mean a fourth, possibly a third. I mean, to me, that that just shows. I think it was a statement trade. That's just telling them. Not even a statement. Just they they decided. You know, we can't get Melvin Gordon. All right, we got to get somebody. So they went out and get Lamar Miller. And they're just. I I do think it's making a statement, but continue. Yeah, they're they're saying at by giving them a fourth or probably a third round pick, they're saying that we're not giving you our. First and fifth round pick for, or first round pick for okay. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I think either the compensation's too high there, or the Chargers are just being stubborn. That's what I believe. And, you know, maybe we can sit here and say, yes, they thought, you know what, what we're going to do here is maybe the Texans could still possibly be in the running for Melvin Gordon. Maybe what they wanted to do was, tra- excuse me, trade Lamar Miller and some pick for Melvin Gordon. Maybe that's what's going on. But now with this Duke Johnson trade, I just don't think they're going to be after Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's starting to become a bigger and bigger risk in fantasy, which we're about to get to next. And I just feel like, you know what, maybe I'm underplaying, downplaying the situation. But now we are going to get to discussing the five biggest risks in fantasy football. So let's get to that. Okay, so how this is going to work is basically, I just want to state, first of all, the five guys that we have on here, I'll just state them right now. Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, 
Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon. Now you're probably saying, where's Antonio Brown? Maybe you're saying Andrew Luck. There's a lot of risks. But at the time I made this, which was two days ago, AB was didn't really seem like too big of a risk. Andrew Luck was more of an honorable mention, stuff like that. And I just think these were the five big, biggest risks at the time. There are other guys that you could have thrown in there. AB is, should certainly be on this list now. Maybe we'll discuss him at the end. We'll see. I can't make any guarantees. But basically how this is going to work is I'm going. we're going to go in the order Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, and Melvin Gordon. And I'm go- we're go- both going to give our risk factor out of 10 in the earliest we'd take them in the draft. Now, the order it goes in is my highest risk to lowest risk, uh, but Colin has a little bit of a different opinion here. So first, we're going to start with Ezekiel Elliott, and he's a risk because of his contract holdout. Okay, so my risk factor... We'll start with the risk factor first. My risk factor is a 9 out of 10. What about you, Colin? I have a 9.5 out of 10. Okay, so I can't really disagree with that. Zeke is someone I really try to stay away from. This is what I wrote. I know you guys don't really like when I say what I wrote, but it's short. Trust me, it's short and sweet. And short and sweet. Yes, anyway. I wrote... Oh, yeah, and then earliest we take him in a draft. I said 5th to 7th round. His value would increase a little bit if you're in a keeper league, but still, fifth to seventh round's the highest I take him. Even the fifth round's a bit of a stretch. I really try to stay away from Zeke. What do you say? I don't pick Zeke. I would, don't, I, not, would, I would stay I'll away. I'll give you this question. Fifteenth <laughs> round. Fine. But it depends. Depends who's available. I don't like Zeke. You know who's I available don't... in the fifteenth round? The top of the list. Denver Broncos defense. Chicago Bears defense. Robbie Gold. That's what's available. I will take the Chicago Bears. No, you won't. Well, okay. Well, I I, I can't. (laughs) Because the thing with Zeke is, you sit here. If you're in a keeper league, no doubt you're taking Zeke in the 15th round. I I take Zeke. If he's available in the 11th round, I'm taking Zeke. Because if he ends up actually playing or getting traded... That's the biggest steal in fantasy football because history. And if a guy like Ezekiel Elliott's available in the 11th round, even if you're 85% sure he might not play this season, there's still a 50% chance. Him, earliest I'm picking him, 10th round. 10th round. Okay, That's I'll give you that. the earliest I would ever Fifth pick him. 5th to 7th for but me. But I would And it depends. Away. Even 7th round might be a stretch for me. I mean, really, fifth round's a huge stretch. Fifth to seventh round's the very earliest I take. Chicago Bears doesn't mean that's. I, doesn't mean if he's available in the seventh round. Doesn't mean I exactly take him. Okay, it just means that's the very earliest I take him. Chicago Bears defense is legendary. Okay, so okay. Uh, they're not getting picked in the fifteenth. They're getting picked like thirteenth. But okay, they're what they're. <laughs> okay, defense. here's what I wrote. I'm sorry. But I really do try to stay away from Zeke this year. You can call me crazy all you want, but I seriously think there's a great chance he sits out this season, and I really would try to avoid avoid him. If you're in a keeper league, I'm in one, but I'm not basing my draft rankings on non-keeper league. I'm basing my draft rankings on non-keeper leagues. That boosts his value a little, a little. But other than that, until I hear other news that'll probably play, I'm staying away from Elliott early in the draft at all costs. We just said it. I mean, the guy the guy is just uh, hes a huge risk. I mean, there's a great chance he does end up sitting out this season. And it's just going to happen. It's more and more common in the NFL. You saw Le'Veon Bell do it. And there's a potential 
that we don't have an NFL season next year because of a lockout. I'd hate that. It's just a year without NFL. Oh, my God. That's, Wait. That's a possibility. It might not have – there might not be an NFL season this year, which makes me rip my hair out. Um, but especially, you know, with the Patriots, we're in the middle of, like, really – like, our window is really closing. We only have a few years left. And I know it's been a great, like, 20 years here, but, I, you know, I want to I wanna experience it will last. But, yeah, it might. I'm not saying it will. Before you start crying over there, Cole. I'm not going to cry yeah, over it, but... I'd be so devastated. I'd be like, oh my god. But anyway, now we're going to get to Cam Newton, who's a risk because of his injury. Mostly to his shoulder. Uh, my risk factor for Cam Newton is a 7th out, uh, out of 10. The earliest I draft him is in the 11th to 12th round. Oh, well, he's a quarterback. Yeah. Depends. What's your uh, risk factor? My risk factor is five out of ten. Okay, yeah, I, I can. I all respect that. I'd say that's a little low. I why five out of ten? I just don't feel like the shoulder is going to be a problem for him this year. He's I. I'm pretty sure he came out and said it that his shoulder is not bothering him. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of players. What do you, What do you think? What do you think he's gonna go out there and say? You know, to be honest, I really don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. My shoulder. For example, Todd Gurley said, oh, my knee's not bothering me at all. He has arthritis in his knee. Well, they, they're not going to come out and say the exact truth. If his shoulder's bothering him a little, do you think he's going to tell him, yeah, my shoulder's really bothering yeah, me? Little, Get the fans worried? No. A little, but if it's if it's hurting a lot, you, you can tell the pain in their eyes. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can tell the pain in their eyes. <laughs> you just can't see that in Cam Newton. But I think he'll do pretty good this season. Depends where you say the first quarterback is going to be taken. Is it, it, You just kind of have to First play quarterback's going to be Patrick Mahomes in the yes. third or fourth round. Okay. And third or fourth the thing round. with Cam Newton is I don't personally ever really try to take him. And I think here's what I wrote. I, I, want, I just want to state what I wrote here first. A little bit of this is just because I'm not a big believer in the system Newton's playing in, alongside with his weapons. So not all of this is his shoulder, but that definitely plays a factor. When you're a quarterback and your job's to throw the ball, even if you have the scrambling ability Newton does, a shoulder injury is a big blow. I just feel like the offense will be ran through the running back Christian McCaffrey this season, and I don't think Newton has a great system of receivers great system or receivers and i think he'll struggle at times throwing the ball and a throwing the ball and a lot of interceptions sorry i just stumbled there but all right earliest i'm taking cam newton is in the 10th round 10th round okay here's my thing with cam newton does that mean i'm gonna pick him in the 11th or 12th round no if there's another quarterback out there that i like a little more i'll take him my thing with Cam Newton is, again, I've just never really liked the system. I feel like him and North Turner tried that quick throw system, worked for a few weeks, and then it kind of crumbled. I'll give North Turner and Cam, uh, Cam Newton one more shot to figure that out. But that's another problem right there. They don't even know how to beat some of these defenses. Never mind the shoulder, and I think the shoulder plays a factor, but... Jeez, like, I just don't like what's going on really in Carolina. I'm not a huge believer. I like Christian McCaffrey. Really outside that, I really just think they're kind of a mess. Luke Keekley. Ooh, ooh, excuse me, as well. But, no, I'm just not really a big believer there. 11th or 12th round is the earliest they take Cam Newton. I really just look for other quarterbacks in fantasy this year. 
All right, next we're going to get to Todd Gurley. Uh, another one where injuries are the big problem, mostly his knee. His RDS arthritis in his knee. My risk factor is a 6.5 out of 10. What about you? This is tough. I got to go 7.5 because he okay, yeah. didn't even play in the Super Bowl last year. He might have took, like, a snap or two, I forget. But he barely played. He was, like, their biggest piece in the Super Bowl. Or in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And he didn't play in the Super Bowl. That has to concern you. Like, there's no way that that doesn't concern someone that he he was their biggest piece and didn't play in the postseason. Well, I mean, here's the thing. With that, too. Maybe he's recovered. And I'm not saying that. He'll never be fully recovered from his knee. I do think that'll always... He'll be slowing down a little bit for the rest of his career. But first, I'll just say what I wrote. Earliest I take him is mid-second round. What about you? Earliest I take him is... Mm, late second, early third. Okay, I can respect that. Again, earliest I take him mid-second round... And it really depends, you know, is there anyone who slid in the draft or not? And, again, it's a little too early to really be talking. I wouldn't even say a little too early to be talking fantasy because we're talking about it. But it's August 9th right now. I have drafts in late August. I just think uh, one more tip I'll throw out there for you for fantasy. We're talking about risk, but I'll throw out one tip. Don't draft too early. I know you're anxious to draft. I hear people who draft late July, early August. Don't do it because – then you'll hear new news that some guy all of a sudden, like, A.B., if you had a draft yesterday, you drafted Antonio Brown in the first round. Like, no risk, no harm. Tomorrow, it turns out, not only may he never play this season, but ever again. He may retire, for all we know. So, you gotta wait until the season's, you know, just for injuries, holdouts, all that stuff. And here's what I wrote. Most people see Gurley falling to the second round of the draft this year due to injuries. If he's available in the first round... First, first, first round, I probably wouldn't take him. Your first round pick in fantasy is just so valuable, and until you get to the later rounds, you can't afford to be taking huge risks that early. In the first round, I like to know what I'm getting. Gurley's injury may seem like one of those that will affect him more later in his career and his post-football life, but I think it could still affect his game now, especially later in the season, and it may just affect his touches as well. Again, the Rams look at Todd Gurley and say this is one of the best running backs in the league. He's got a arthritis in his knee in his early to mid-20s now. So the the Rams, he's not going to be an every-down back, I don't think, anymore. I think the Rams are going to limit his touches so that way he's available for years to come in the playoffs, even just this season. You're going to have to really limit his touches. It's kind of like what the Saints are doing with Drew Brees. salvaging his arm, you know, they're less and less pass attempts, you know, they're trying to, you know, make more of a run system. Even with Tom Brady, they're trying to salvage his arm by giving him less and less pass attempts. Same thing with Todd Gurley, less and less touches to kind of, you know, save that knee because all of a sudden if you give him, you know, 350 touches this season, you know, you're going to blow out his knee in just a few seasons and then that's the end of Todd Gurley's NFL career, really. So I think that they want to let, you know, kind of spread out those touches for years to come rather than using them all up in just a matter of few years. So I do think there's a risk with Todd Gurley. He's one of the more unknown ones on this list. Like Zeke, I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear there's a good chance he may hold out for the season. Cam Newton, I think, is 
pretty clear. Le'Veon Bell, I don't know. That one's kind of weird because, you know, that one's weird. Like, he hasn't played in a year. I don't really know how to judge that. And Melvin Gordon is a question mark, too. But Todd Gurley is really a big one. How much is arthritis in your knee going to affect you now? Maybe it really affects him. Maybe it doesn't at all. Like, you just don't really know. So I, I kind of went in the middle there, six and a half. Uh, but any other thoughts you want to get in there about Todd Gurley? No. 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 I think that's all. I think that's all. Okay. <laughs> Someone's eager to get home today. <laughs> he wants to leave work. Okay. Next, we got Le'Veon Bell. His risk is he has not played in a year. He hasn't played professional football in a year. You know that game? Oh, the yeah, like the, the, the PFL, the Professional Football League. Yeah, that one. Okay. Oh, okay. Not the NFL, the PFL. The AFL, the American Football League. <laughs> sure. Okay. My risk factor... Six out of ten. What about you? Uh, my risk factor is a three out of ten. Whoa! Oh my god! Don't yeah. Three out of ten. Calm down. All right, we got a little debate, folks. Got the popcorn. You're about to debate. I don't know if it's gonna be me and Thomas's Tyler Hero debate, but <laughs> if that was almost a while back, but. That was, a, six, that was a good one. My risk factor is 6 out of 10. Maybe that's a bit high. I can't really put it much higher than 6 out of 10, but 3 out of 10? Uh, Explain. So, basically, I really don't think that not playing for a year affects you. At all? I've, just at all? Like, not the no. fact that he showed up to training camp 12 pounds heavier than he was a year ago. Like, that does not affect him no, at all. It does affect you a little bit, but I... I don't really think it... 12 pounds is a big difference for one of the best running backs in the league, right? Just shows up looking like Santa Claus at training camp. I don't I don't think he looks like yeah, Santa Yeah, you, you get it. It's an exaggeration, but 12 pounds, like, it's not really good. Like it also joke. makes you harder to tackle. Okay, but it makes him slower. Le'Veon yeah. Bell's no power back. He's one of those... He's a patient running back who sees the holes and, yeah, and you know, then he's he got runs good moves. He does, yeah. He doesn't... He doesn't rely on his speed. He doesn't need to be a fast okay, running he, back. Yeah, but he's a pretty fast running back. He's more he, of a he more finds the holes. Like he's more of a, like an he intangible takes the ball, running back. Looks for his hole. He sits back. He finds. Yeah, it, but that takes speed. I can't go out there and just oh yeah, I find the hole and then you know I I just don't think he's really needed the extra weight. Now I'm not saying that's really going to weigh him down, but I think it plays more of a difference than you're saying. I think he's going to be a little bit worse, obviously, because he hasn't played in a season and gained 12 pounds, but I don't really think it's going to be as much of a difference as you really think. Okay, I just uh, I just think it's going to be a little more. Now, when's the – a little more of a difference than you think. But when's the earliest you take him in a draft? The earliest I take him in the draft is early second, late first. That's the same thing I had. Very late first round, early second round. Now, the thing is, if it's a very late first round, the reason I'd say very late first round is if it's like the if I'm in a 12-person league and I have the 11th or 12th pick and there aren't a ton of guys that I love in my for my first round pick, I'd take Bell. Because he's not going to hold out this year. He's not going to hold out. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and can he become at least – is he going to be at least 90 95% of the same player he was in Pittsburgh? If he's that and he can stay healthy, he's definitely worth a, you know, a mid to high first-round pick even. 
But I just want, I just think there's some sort of risk there and that bumps his value down a little for me. Here's what I wrote. After Bell's contract holdout last season with the Steelers, he has found a new home with the Jets and hasn't played a real football game in over a year. Maybe I'm overrating this risk a little bit here. I'll admit maybe I am. But I don't think it's anything too absurd. Listen, the last time we saw Bell, he was arguably the best running back in the game. But now he hasn't played real football in over a year, and who knows how much he's worked on his game during his holdout. I do think Bell will still be one of the better backs in the league, but there's a little risk involved with Bell. Mostly just like people, you know, I think the risk there is he's looked at as a first-round running back and he hasn't, you know, first-round pick and he hasn't played in a year. If Bell's looked at as a third-round pick and he hasn't played in a year, I kind of sit there saying, you know, maybe the risk is 3 out of 10. But people look at him as, a like, legitimate. They're going to spend his fir- their first-round pick on this guy and he's playing in a new system. Like, he's always played in Pittsburgh. He's in a new system. And which I don't think plays a huge factor with guys like Le'Veon, talents like Le'Veon Bell, but... He hasn't played in a year, too, so I think when you look at that as a first-round talent, that's definitely – that's kind of what amped up my risk a little bit. All right, so anything else you want to pitch in there? Or, nope, I think we're good. No, I think that's all. All right, you think that's all? That's all. All right, respect. Absolute. <laughs> all right, now we're going to get to our fifth and final guy, Melvin Gordon. He's a risk because of a potential contract holdout. So – my risk factor here, I was just overrating Le'Veon Bell's. I think I'm underrating Melvin Gordon's. I might bump this up by one. I said 4 out of 10. Might bump it up to a 5 out of 10. What's your risk factor? I actually had a 4 out of 10 too. But I think 4 out of 10 is perfect. Because we are almost sure that he's going to get traded. No, he re- he no requested, not at all. Yeah, he requested trade. He requested trade. Requested trade. trade. We're almost sure that he's going to get... What's his name? Uh, Keep talking. We're almost sure that he's going to get traded. Uh, But you never know. So he might not even play. But I think if he does play, he there's a high chance that he ends up in a Buccaneers uniform. And Jameis Winston has not been doing that great recently. So I think he would be someone... Pretty good to hand off the ball to. I want. I want to. I want to stop you there for a second. All right. You said what was your first statement about him requesting a trade? What did you say? We think he probably will get traded. Okay. So why? Why do we think that? Because he requested a trade. Okay. So I want. I want to uh, just remind you of this guy and. He is a tackle, okay, in the NFL, mm-hmm. on the offensive line. You know that guy that blocks? And he plays yeah. for the Washington Redskins. His name is Trent Williams. Born July 19th, 1988. 31 <laughs> years old. All right? All right. 6'5", 318 pounds. He requested a trade. Guess what the Redskins said? Nope, eh, we're not trading you. Yeah. Just because you request a trade, listen, this is just one example of many, okay? So this is not, like, one guy, like, you know, but the Chargers... When did Melvin Gordon request a trade, Colin? A week ago? About a week ago, yep. How many reports have you heard about a potential trade rumor on Melvin Gordon? Be honest. Zero. Bingo. Maybe there's something, you know, maybe you can sit here and say, Aiden. 
Maybe they're keeping it undercover. Nowadays, it's 2019. What is the media not on top of nowadays? If you if if the Chargers even called the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers even called the Chargers, it would become a report by someone. Yeah, but here's what I'm saying. The season has not started yet. There is still... Okay. What day does the season start on? The season starts September... Right around my birthday, like September 7th. Okay. That is about a month. I just told everyone my birthday. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, no. Whatever. No. They're going to track you down? No, they're going to track me down give me a present. That's what they're going <laughs> to They're going to give me a new mic so I don't sound like I'm eight. Anyway. Um, so, uh, I just sound like a dinosaur there. I just thought I stopped recording, but I didn't. So, that, that, I mean, that's the thing with uh, Melvin Gordon. <laughs> just, that's why I think at the time, like, four out of ten, like, I was thinking how you were, like, he requested a trade. He'll probably get traded, right? Well, I've heard no reports on him getting traded or getting a new contract, so it, he just, he's pro- he's more of a risk than four out of ten. Honestly, he could end up actually sitting out the whole season and make this yeah, four out of ten thing. So. What's the earliest you take him? Mine's pretty early second round. But then again, now I'm starting to think maybe back that up a little. Uh, but at the time, I take pretty early second round. Earliest in a 12-person draft, 7th or 8th. Really? What about 10? A 10-person? Probably. 7 out of 8. 7 or 8. Uh, probably like 6. Okay. And a 10. So you like Melvin Gordon. Here's my thing with Melvin Gordon. Why I've always kind of just irrationally... I've always liked him, but just irrationally had like a little thing against him. That's hurt his value for me a little bit. Injuries. I just don't like players who get injured. Especially in the first round. When I... In the first round, I like to... I love to know what I'm getting. I like to know I'm going to get a consistent, dominating player that may only have like a week or two that he's not that great. And he's going to be able to stay healthy. That's what I like. And I know in football, it's hard to, you know, ask for a player that's going to stay healthy. But, like, I, I want to, I know, I like to know what I'm getting. That's like with Julio Jones, he's just so inconsistent and he has injury problems. That's why I'm not a huge fan of Julio Jones in fantasy. And in my five years of playing fantasy, going on six, I've never picked Julio Jones. I have once, and I think I came. So there was this four year stretch that I made it to the championship Same. every year. Except last year I really started playing real actually somewhat competitive fantasy and yeah. that kind of went I off the window. But for four years it was four years, two leagues each year. Yeah. I made it to the championship. It was, just blew by everyone. I started playing more competitive fantasy and I still did well, don't get me wrong, but no Yeah, me and Aiden always me and Aiden did the same league every just random and, leagues, me and him just entered. Yeah, and we dominated oh every God. time and it was just us in the championship yeah. we just and, all these people were so bad yeah well they weren't some of them were horrible but some of them just and then last year was the first we actually the, really started yeah i came in actually a couple years ago i came in no no, no that was l- last year i came in like sixth in a league and i came in second i should have made it to the championship but i was like I played Ben Roethlisberger instead of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson ended up having a good game. Ben Roethlisberger threw four picks, and it was disgusting. And I lost to my uncle in the first round of the playoffs. Tough. All right, so I think I just want to say what I wrote for Melvin Gordon, and we'll wrap things up here. All right, so I wrote, okay, so maybe I'm downplaying the situation a little bit, which I am. 
But since Gordon wants out and the Chargers don't really seem eager to reach a deal, I think they've got to trade him. If he ends up getting traded, he's going to end up getting a, getting a deal wherever he goes. But even though I may be downplaying this potential holdout a little, and although it isn't as risky as Zeke's, a contract holdout is a contract holdout. And until he gets a new deal, I can't take him in the first round. And now that I've realized it, this may be riskier than I, you know, than I really realize. This end up this could end up being the biggest risk in fantasy all of a sudden. If, you know, Cam Newton ends up being risk, but you know, 10th, 11th, 12th round. I don't know if you consider that the biggest risk in fantasy. AB doesn't end up retiring. Le'Veon Bell, I don't think you consider the biggest risk in fantasy. Ezekiel Elliott actually ends up hearing news that he's actually going to play. He gets that contract. Again, that would have to, all that kind of stuff would have to happen. But I think Melvin Gordon is much more riskier than 4 out of 10. Maybe at least a 5 or a 6. So I take that 4 but out of 10 back. I think back. he will end up getting traded, though. That- Okay. Yeah, but it's tough. I mean, he's been out there for a week. We haven't heard any reports, so we'll have to see what happens. But thank you guys for listening. Call in on the Anchor mobile app, whatever you want to talk about. Not sure we'll be able to do a podcast tomorrow, just in advance. Today, we're recording this on Friday, so if you're listening Saturday, I mean, you know, we might not do a podcast Saturday, but it's going to be a very busy day tomorrow, so hopefully we can do one the day after. I'm not saying... No doubt there's not going to be a podcast tomorrow, but just saying don't expect one. I would love to get to this A-B nonsense. I already got an article ready to go. The ceiling and floor for every NFL team. Maybe we'll split that up AFC and NFC. I don't really know. but uh, So we got some stuff on the way. Uh, Some Red Sox will be coming your way. So a lot of stuff to get to. Then there's going to be some other news. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. Yes. Sorry about that. No. No, we're good. I thought... I'm sorry for you guys who are listening. i just so used to having Colin here and saying friendly wagers. But there's nothing to wage about. There's nothing to wage... <laughs> no, there there's isn't. nothing to wage about. It's just been full of just random nonsense at the end of this episode, hasn't it been? But there's nothing. Yes. There's nothing. The Red Sox already started. I'm not going to lie. So the last friendly wagers when we did in the game started, I'm not lying. I didn't know the score. This game, I do know it. Bottom of the sixth inning or it's top of the seventh. Now it's 10 to 3 Red Sox. So we're not doing that. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not waging on the game tonight. Okay? <laughs> we're not doing it. <laughs> we're not. Sorry. But it's not happening. Thanks.